Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you guys are joining me for episode number 111 of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. This is exciting, right? It's exciting because, like, I remember when we were at episode 100, 11 episodes ago, and everybody, I'm just getting so much positive feedback from you guys. I just love it. I love it a lot. This week's episode is a lot of fun. We talk about several things. We talk about the importance of the fountain pen community. We talk about people within the fountain pen community, the unity of the fountain pen community, and I think it's a fantastic thing, especially in such troubling times. Now, here's what I want you to do, though. For the next hour or so, we are going to leave all of our problems at the door, and I promise you if you do that, when you come back to them after an hour, they will still be there, and it will not have destroyed your life. So let's just, we got to talk pens and fish and and beards, right? You'll know what I'm talking about when you listen to the episode. But before I get to the episode, I got to talk about sponsorships. Don't forget to check out goldspot.com and use coupon code ROY at checkout for all your fountain pen needs and get that extra discount on most of the stuff on the Goldspot pen store. There are some exclusions. Well, there are some exclusions, but for the most part, it works and it saves you some money. So try it no matter what. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But for most stuff on the Goldspot pens website at goldspot.com. Coupon code ROY will work. Now, for the week of February 27th, I'm supposed to read this stuff here about Colorverse Inc. They released their newest limited edition ink set, New Horizons. Limited to 2,006 pieces worldwide, this ink set is to commemorate the journey and discoveries that the New Horizons space probe uncovered. It is launching March 1st. So I'm looking at the Luxury Brands of America Instagram page where it has New Horizons limited edition photograph. And I guess it comes in like this circular disc shape box, which is really cool. It just looks like a hockey puck. And of course, the Colorverse inks are in there. So the Colorverse brand is doing some pretty cool things. So check out those inks. I, I don't know what they look like. I don't have them. I don't know why luxury brands being my sponsor, they don't send me more inks and stuff. But anyway, New Horizons, again, it's a new launch of inks commemorating the New Horizons space probe and its discoveries, launching March 1st. And of course, don't forget about my friend Neil and his BRLCoffeeCo.com company. He's a coffee company. He makes some good bean, excellent bean, CoffeeCo.com. BRLCoffeeCo.com. And again, be sure to use coupon code ROY at checkout for an additional 10% off all products on the BRLCoffeeCo.com website. Please buy coffee from my friend. It helps him. It helps me. Please buy from Goldspot using the same coupon code. Three letters. It's easy. Just type it in. R-O-Y. Save money. Anyway. Before I get started with this week's episode, I just want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from Tom and I, mostly from me. So, a warning, I have been warned. Now, on to the podcast. The Penboy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage 7. I've been studying for my exam. I'm trying a different approach, so the exam is going to be on a computer. So I'm trying to study on a computer. It just, my eyes get fried. I really think it, it is harder to study on a computer than on a piece of paper. And it makes, I think it makes you dumber. I think I hate <laughs> the idea that I have to take a six hour exam on a computer. And I hate the idea that the, 
do this all on a computer. Let me ask you it's, something from someone who is a lover of the analog, as I'm I. Yes. Yes. If the exam is six hours and it's going to be on a computer screen, do you think I should study off a computer screen also in preparation? I think, I think I at should. some point you need to, at least to be able to focus your eyes to be able to adjust to a screen because you could yeah. do most of it offline analog in a book, but if, but like when you're going to be taking it on a computer, you have to adjust yourself to being able to do that on a computer for a long period of time. So at least maybe some part of it, do it on the computer. Which do you think is harder? Do you think it's harder to have to like prepare by taking a test all right, so remember what happened with my friend Jane. I'm interrupting myself. I hate it when I do that. But remember what happened to my friend Jean Grey, right? Right. So she prepared for this like 40 billion hour hellhole pits of hell test on a computer screen. But then the day of the test, she had to do everything on paper. Right. Do you think that's hard, a harder adjustment having to go from screen to writing? Or do you think it's harder to go from having to do everything on paper to a screen? You get what I'm saying? Hmm. I see. I see. Um, well, I mean, it depends on how – I think it depends on how savvy you are with a computer because if you are kind of like if – you're, if you're bad at typing, for example, you don't look at – you have to look at the keys in order to type and then you're expected to write an entire essay right. where you are prepared to write it by hand, but now you have to type it. That could be a severe handicap. Yeah. But if you're savvy with a computer, you know your way around around a web browser, you're familiar with like being able to handle prompts and, you know, and, and you could avoid the distractions of like having multiple tabs on your browser open at the same time with different things on them. Then I think you're going to be fine going to that more so than if you had to go from it being on the computer primarily to then being, you know, all written out by hand. Because a lot of people these days, it's like they're more like native of the computer and that they could handle the, doing the computer stuff more. And then it would be more of a detriment to them to have to do everything by hand because they're not prepared to do that much heavy lifting with a pen than they would be like, you know, if they had to go the opposite way. I, I see your point. I was actually thinking it's the other way around. Like, I think it would be much harder to go from, you know. I prepared everything on paper with a pen and then now I have to do it on the computer screen because – and my perspective is only because, oh, it's going to be harder because my eyes have to get adjusted. The screen is going to probably tire out my eyes, that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. now that you've explained your perspective of how much harder it would be to have to adjust to go from like typing, which a lot of people, they type like they breathe – not me. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you were you were, you know, having issues what you've gotten improving very very remarkably so. You've mm -hmm. improved a lot in that regard, but yeah. you, you know, you were you were hunting and pecking all over the place on the keyboard. Not anymore, man. I'm I don't even look down. I even when I lose my hand position on the keyboard, I don't even look down. Mm -hmm. I can just feel the little nub on the J and the F yep. and I know yes. that's where I got to be. That's how to do it. Yeah, but I'm playing. With, I'm playing with this pen today. I've been playing with this a lot. The That's Esterbrook. It. The Esterbrook SD. Yeah, I forgot the name of this one already. That's the Nouveau Bleu. The Nouveau Bleu. The Nouveau Bleu. The Nouveau Bleu. It's just such a gorgeous looking pen. Right. Yeah, it is. Definitely. It, this is a very unique acrylic. I know it shows up on Leonardo pens too. I get that. 
there was there was one yeah the i think the they called it the sorrento blue yeah i'm not mistaken that had a similar acrylic if not the same i'm pretty sure it is the same it is the same there's a reason but it's a different model entirely right no it's it's a a different different model model. but here's the thing though it's like when i first got this pen i talked to the guys at kenro and the guys at kenro were like oh yeah it's exclusive to us with a caveat with an asterisk yeah it's exclusive Mm -hmm. to kenro but Leonardo shares the same acrylic, so it's not exclusive. But it's not <laughs> – it's not. so it's exclusive enough that it's only with Leonardo and Estherbrook. I don't know if that's true. I don't, there might be another maker that uses the same acrylic. But mm-hmm. I see what he's saying. It's exclusive enough that it's not like the same acrylic you see on a Conklin or an Edison or – you know what I mean? Or Monteverde yeah. and stuff like that. Because like with Monteverde pens and Conklin pens and Edison pens, what they – have in common is you see a lot of the same acrylics in Conklin's as you do Edison pens. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I give Esterbrook credit for is you don't often see typically like acrylics that are often seen on Conklin pens on Edison. I'm sorry, on Esterbrook pens, I think. Tell me if I'm wrong. This is just my perspective. No, I think that they've blazed a path for themselves that's in the realm of being unique at every turn that they try to go to it's not something that they want they don't because i mean there's there's already so much of that going on already with you know just having the same material being made by one manufacturer being made by this manufacturer in different pen shapes of course and different models but often then sharing the same exact yovo number six nib and it's like well, there's so much sameness about it. What's unique and why do I have... But but Estherbrook continues to, you know, kind of differentiate themselves from everybody else because they do use unconventional acrylics and materials in their pens. I think that's really cool. I think that, you know, I say this all the time and I'm not saying I like those guys. They're really good guys. They're not disingenuous ever. And I say that more now. I know they're not sponsoring the podcast and are a good friend's luxury bands is, but I got to talk about these guys because, you know, my friend, let's call him J-Man. My friend J-Man. Okay. J-Man. He, is, he has been battling cancer for the last seven months. Ooh. And hit him hard. He's been battling mm. it. And he just beat it. Nice. Yeah. He doesn't listen to my podcast, so I can talk about it. But I'm just going to call him J-Man. J-Man has beaten cancer. And I'm so happy. Yeah, I was really happy to hear that. And he took it like a champ. He took it with pride, like like with stride, not pride. Mm -hmm. He he took it by the horns. Like he was losing lots of weight. He didn't let it get him. Like he didn't let it destroy him. No. He he, he was like, I'm, you know, determined to the end. Yeah. Optimistic. He didn't at all feel sorry for himself ever. He even tried to hide it until he was losing way too much weight. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in time where I'm like, dude, you're you're losing a lot of weight, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I was just, I didn't say, I didn't push, but I just knew. I, was, I wanted to say, when people lose weight like this, you know, we got to do something serious. I didn't say anything. It's not my place to do that. I don't want to cross people's lines like that, but... When he was losing too much weight, I knew. And then later he eventually told me and stuff like that. And, you know, it was a scary thing. It became real. So mm-hmm. when he told me that he beat it, I was so happy. 
Now, mm-hmm. J-Man owns several pens. He has a Pilot Custom 74 that I gifted him. Cool. He has right. a Jinhao pen that has a Goulet nib in it. He has mm-hmm. a Visconti Homo sapien. Mm-hmm. Like, like a huge nice. jump. He has, <laughs> he has several other pens. You know what his favorite pen that he uses? And despite all the pens that he has... And he's got a pretty, he's got a handful. He doesn't have a lot, I would say. He's got about 10. But like I said, he went from a Jin, he has a Jinhao all the way up to a Homo sapien. Mm-hmm. Yet his that's a range. Fav- that's a range, right. So as few as he mm-hmm. has, he's got a decent range. His favorite writer out of all of them is his right. Esterbrook SD oversized black. That's his favorite writer out of all of them. Okay. You know? So knowing this, I was like, you know, I hit up my buddy Brian Holser over at Kenro Industries, and I was like, listen, my buddy J-Man, he, his favorite pen, and I explained to him the same thing. I'm like, is, is it the Esterbrook SD Oversized to this day? And he's got a good range of pens, and being that it's his favorite brand and he just beat cancer, I would like you to send him a gift box just as a surprise just to make him feel even a little bit better, just a gift box from Esterbrook. You know, let it be some inks or some tchotchkes or some stuff, toys, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Stickers. Yeah, whatever it is. But, of course, Brian Holser at Kenro being Brian Holser at Kenro was like absolutely – he was just more than more than down for it. You know what I mean? Like I love these guys. They're just good, solid people. I If – if J-Man's favorite brand was a different brand, I would have went to that distributor and asked them the same thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, I mean, you know what? I think I think that that was just a really cool thing. He's just absolutely. And then it makes me think back to, I don't know if you remember this, but on Ghoulie Nation on Facebook, there was a young lady who had like her entire pen collection stolen or something like that. I can't remember how it was. It might have been a burglary in her house. Oh, or someone broke into her car. I can't remember. But she was a victim of a grand larceny where all her pens were just thefted from her. Some piece of fucking shit out there decided to steal her pens. So anyway, she posted that, and she was like, this is really upsetting. I'm really sad. I I feel like this is just something that traumatized me so much. I don't. I don't know how to start back up again. And then mm-hmm. I remember I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's let's do something nice for her. And I, I contacted I think I contacted Goldspot too, didn't I? I can't remember. This was how long ago? Several years ago. I can't remember how many people I contacted, but mm-hmm. I contacted Kenro and several people and they all sent her pens. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Goldspot was on there. Kenro was definitely on there. They sent her pens, like just just to restart her collection. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's just like, man, what cool people in this community. And again, Kenro steps up. So, you know, that meant a lot to me because J-Man's a good friend. And it's tough when you, you know, when someone, you know, they, they tell you like, hey, listen, this happened. And. It, 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 that's it. It could be, I could be done. You know what I mean? And you're just like, yeah. what the fuck, dude? You know, it's rough, but you know, that means a lot to me. So, yeah. So yeah. thanks, Kenro Industries. That's pretty solid of you guys. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, I'm so. glad that uh, that J Man's doing better. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's just it's so good that he's you know doing doing better and stuff like that. It it it's it's scary too because he's got he's got two kids. You know, I remember when they were born. It's tough. You know, it's tough to talk about. But anyway, mm-hmm. so that was a you know a little. It just got a little dark. So I apologize. But the whole point was. <laughs> The whole point was if there's positivity to be had, people in this pen community will jump on it. People like people from like Kenro Industries and I, I guarantee you if I asked Bryce from luxury brands like to hook this guy up, he would do something. I hundred percent know these guys are just all about being on board with being awesome human beings. And mm-hmm. listen, you know me, I don't like to talk about current events and politics because it's everywhere you go i can only say this that i acknowledge that it's happening i'm not living under a rock and i deliberately want everybody to be able to escape for at least an hour their problems and my thing is this Mm -hmm. if you have problems in your life if you don't address them or you don't think about them for one fucking hour of the day those problems aren't going to destroy you any more than they were before. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I just like to really think about the positive as cheesy as it sounds. And it really sucks that J-Man had cancer, but it's really good that he beat it. And on top of that, not only is it really good that he beat it, but the fact that he beat it exposed once again how good of friends I have in the pen community. And it just means a lot to me. So I'm getting all sappy yeah. and emotional about it. So now I got to talk about something else. <laughs> well, I mean, you were talking about like current events and, and, and I definitely have been, I have, I've been feeling it like lately yeah. and, and, and I've been, I haven't, I've been kind of absent on, I think posting like in through ink journal directly. And I've kind of felt like a little bit more withdrawn, especially with like things going in the last week or so. And, and, but then I, I go on and I see I see others that are that are posting and and they're, they're I see the writing that's on there the, the the blue and the gold writing and and you know and I see it out and I'm like I'm like I, I love that the fact that you know people are that people are out there and they're they're using pens in that way and that they're they're, they're writing and stuff I just you know I, I just I, I've been avoiding like going on social media pretty much. Like I, I just I read the news every once in a while, but I've been avoiding like looking at it so much as like it, like five ten minutes. It's just it's it hurts. It really mm-hmm. does. No, uh, I understand, and there's nothing wrong with that, and it really it is nothing wrong with it, and I think it's necessary too. I don't think there's anything wrong with people abstaining from social media to protect themselves because listen, as soon as you turn on Instagram, Facebook, anything. All you're getting is bad news. There's nothing but bad mm-hmm. news, and people need an escape, right? And let them cope however it is that they they know how. If it's to write something, post it, great. If it's to avoid social media, great. Like these days, excuse me, these days I've been just busy, so I haven't been able to do it, and that's just mm-hmm. that's just is what it is. And then, you know, when I do have when I do have time, I try to do other things. Like I go on to YouTube. And I watch videos by John and Lisa over at KG Tropicals because I love the fish. Yeah, I love fish keeping. (laughs) I'll watch my good buddy Tom do his top five. Mm -hmm. 
I'm glad that the Mozart pencil hit the top five. That's pretty awesome. I was really worried. Yeah, I, I was really worried. One. Yeah, I was really worried. I I'm really I, I wasn't too worried because uh, because you know knowing just how 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 the the rollerball went um, that uh, that I knew that the the pencil was going to hit pretty well even though it was a pencil you know we have to say it's pencils are not the most popular writing mode that's out there no. and it's harder to convince those to 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 grab a pencil than it is with a fountain pen of course like yeah. fountain pens are not just yeah, that it's easier. it's hard to convince somebody that spending more than like two cents like it's hard to convince a new fountain pen user or a non-fountain pen user to use a fountain pen that costs 100 bucks or 50 bucks it's even harder to convince somebody to do that with a pencil right because pencils mm -hmm. are traditionally made out of cheap wood with an eraser at the end they're more they're disposable. not as flashy right they're, they're definitely not as flashy they're certainly more disposable than a ballpoint mm -hmm. pen because people will write with a ballpoint pen until it stops writing or until it gets reconstituted as a crack pipe right or until oh, it you know, until it ends up in the garbage right but a pencil it typically gets used up into the point where it needs sharpening and then people most often give up on it, right? So how many times do you find a dull pencil and say, oh, this pencil needs sharpening and then go out of your way to sharpen the pencil? Never, mm -hmm. guarantee you never. <laughs> if I needed to write something and I write and I start writing and the pencil's too dull to write, I'm gonna be like, fuck this shit. It goes, and I just wing it at the next person I don't like, right? <laughs> I'm not gonna be like, oh, anybody got a pencil sharpener? Where's the pen? I'm not gonna look for the old school pencil sharpener that's screwed onto the side of a cabinet Remember in like school mm -hmm. back in the day? Yeah. I'm not doing that. It's going in this, it's, it's going to end up in the garbage or it's going to end up never being used again or it's going to be, it's going to be used to like scoop gum off the underside of a desk and that's the end of it, right? So that's pencils. Mm -hmm. They're even less, they have less longevity than that of a ballpoint pen. Mm -hmm. So to convince somebody to spend 50 something dollars on a pencil to me seems even far, far more reaching than pens. So when you told me that they're doing well the day that they were released, I was more than relieved because it was my dumb idea to implant that. I was just like, first of all, I'm like, I should have just kept my mouth shut. I went and said, hey, Tom, you know, musicians use pencils more than they use pens to compose. You're like, oh, we'll make a pencil. I'm like, fuck me. That, <laughs> I'm like, I should have just kept my mouth shut. Hey, but they're selling well. They're selling much, much better than the T-shirts. Let's just <laughs> let's just say let's put it in perspective. You know, listen, like shampoo will sell better in a balding colony than the T-shirts <laughs> will sell. All right, let's just be let's be honest here. Are you growing more hair? I thought you were balding. What's going on with you? You're looking younger no, these days, and you're growing. No, it's hair. just this. There's so like the barber left a little bit more on the top than the last time that I went. So, but it's, but it's now, it doesn't know where to go. Like oh. it just, and it's, and it's so thin, like, I'm just frustrated with it. Like, right. is this like my one, I don't, I'm not insecure about it. I mm -hmm. just don't like it anymore. And I don't know what to, I don't know necessarily what to do with it. I would like the, my wife doesn't want me to shave it off entirely. Dude. I just feel like I just want to give up on it and just shave it off. I, I totally so. suggest you do the bald beard look. That's just a bad. That's what. Look. That's even what the barber said. Like, do the do do shave it. You know, shave it down. 
and then grow out the beard. And I'm like, she don't like that. She's not going to go for that. She's going to yeah. cry. Like, Dude, here's what That's just how do. she is. Just do it the way I would do it if I were capable of growing beard and facial hair like you are, which I'm not. I would just, even if I'm not balding, totally go with a bald beard look. But mm-hmm. you just need to put on about 40 pounds of muscle. Do that. Go with wow. the bald beard muscle. Go with the bald beard. And I need to get a, uh, I need to get like a, an exclusive line of just all plaid shirts. I yes. just need more plaid. Yeah, and work boots and stuff Why like plaid? that. Yeah, plaid. I don't uh, get. Because then I'll I'll complete the the you know the outdoorsy sort of lumberjack look. Hmm. Yeah, no, I wasn't going for that. I don't know. No, no, that's not what I was going for. <laughs> that's certainly. What do you what? What are you going for then? What, what what do you have envisioned for me? Am I am I going for like the uh, the Abraham Lincoln sort of beard, and I'll get like a nice, you know, top hat to go with it, like the stove pot, the stove wow. top pipe hat. You we know, are not on the same page. I was thinking no? like cool looking Delta Force dudes from that movie. I can't remember <laughs> the name of it, but fuck it. You went weird co- Halloween costume version of whatever <laughs> I was trying to. I was mine was just like a vague idea, but you know. Okay, well, that's fine. Yours is good too, you know. Mm-hmm. So, l- last week we didn't get to do a lot of these emails. Was there anything that we didn't get to read that I want to just get get them first because I feel like we did get we did get an, uh, an email uh, about uh, materials and perpendicular writing. If you see that subject yeah, I line do. there, I do. So we had uh, I, I don't know if uh, I think Anshul is how to pronounce it. Okay. So let me read it, um, if I may. Yeah. Hi, guys. I hope you're well. <clears throat> we are. Good, yeah. <laughs> I cleared my throat. That It wasn't written to clear. It was I wasn't <clears throat> reading a hymn. Okay, anyway. I have a question mm-hmm. about the different types of plastic materials that fountain pens are made from. What are the differences and so-called benefits? That's a good question. I have pens in acrylic, mm-hmm. resin, and celluloid all seem like plastic to me, but I know people get very excited about celluloid. For example, my rhythm is like really fucked up right now. Like, for example, shouldn't it have ended that way? My intonation is off. Is it a scarcity <laughs> thing or are some materials quote-unquote, better than others. I find that when people say that the smell, feel, temperature of certain materials are remarkably different, I just roll my eyes at their pretentiousness. Pretentiousness, yeah. Is that unfair? (laughs) Also, what is primary manipulation? Okay, Mm -hmm. part two. My friend writes with the pen completely perpendicular to the paper, like 100% straight, and when he writes with my fountain pen, it doesn't really work out well. Any suggestions of nibs or fountain pens that he could use? Number three, would love to hear a top 10 pens in your collection from both of you. I realize I could easily find these questions out myself, but this is more fun. I like that he that, – that last sentence is pretty awesome. I realize I could mm-hmm. easily find these questions out myself, but this is more fun 100%. This is exactly mm-hmm. how you should be doing it. Anyway, mm-hmm. let me continue. Thanks a lot for the awesome podcast and the completely different tone you bring to the fountain pens compared to other fountain pen broadcasters. Take care, Enshul. Well, Enshul, thank you very much for writing out this email and sending it to us. And yes, we will answer your questions. So when it comes to pen materials, so-called benefits, I'm going to answer this and then I'm going to let Tom answer it also because we may have different answers. We haven't discussed this. The reason why acrylic is better than injection molded resin is because acrylic is typically more resistant to scratches. It's resistant to discoloration 
and it can be polished. On top of that, acrylic can be made in a variety of different styles and colors. And when I say styles, I mean styles such as cracked flake acrylics, swirly acrylics. You can get all kinds of different patterns because what they do is they take this goo, right? It's almost like a tree sappy type goo. Think of think of the the Jurassic Park movie where John Hammond is explaining how they extracted mosquito DNA to make dinosaurs and then there's a quick shot of where the mosquito is just being enveloped by slowly moving sap. So that sap gets poured into a huge tray, right? And that sap is designed by whoever made the sap. So they could make it blue, green, they can make it blue and green, they can make it red, blue and green, different kinds of things. They pour it into a tray and then they wait until it becomes really hard. And then once it becomes really hard, they cut it into these rods, they stick it on a machine, and they lathe it. Now, I don't know if that is something you didn't already know. If you did, I'm sorry, I just bored the fuck out of you. But <laughs> once that acrylic cures, they polish it down and it looks really nice. That's the benefit, right? The benefit of injection molded plastic, which is what you see in lower end pens, it's just basically, it's a whole bunch of beads of a single color, and it can't really be manipulated the same way acrylic can. It's just a whole bunch of beads. They put it into this contraption that melts it down, and then it gets injected into a mold and fills out that mold and creates the pen. It's usually in cheaper pens until you get into like some expensive pens like Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc uses injection molded resin. They like to call it precious resin. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that means. It's just injection mm -hmm. molded plastic. I'm sorry. But they're just really good at marketing. So anyway, injection molded plastic is the benefit of that is it's cheap. That's really it. I can't think of any other benefit that injection molded plastic has over acrylic. It's just much cheaper. Well, I think it also saves a bit in it because a turned acrylic rod is a subtractive process to create the shape of the pen, to create the threads, uh, the internals and everything need to be bored out of it. With injection mold, they they could mold it. It's a, it's It's basically you have a mold and you fill it with the plastic goo, with the resin, and then it, it adheres to whatever mold that you've made for it. So it's 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 made exactly to spec. And there is no I mean, there's some there would be some sanding and some finishing involved, but there is no having to subtract out major areas in the material. So it, it saves a lot on that aspect of the process as well. Right. So there's far less waste, far less mm -hmm. waste. OK, right. and then then celluloid. So celluloid is almost the identical story of acrylic. The only difference is celluloid. I don't. I don't know actually what the difference is. I know that the difference is that it's more toxic when it's made, and for some reason it has more vibrant and warmer colors. But actually, now that and I'm it's talking, flammable, and it's super flammable. So celluloid, celluloid is the same shit that they used to use in like the twenties, right, when they made films, and all these like film studios would burn down because somebody would like spark some static and then it'll set the whole place on fire really quickly. But celluloid typically is, has all the same benefits as acrylic. I think it might actually be softer, but it does definitely has more depth and warmth in the look of acrylic. And the reason why it's typically more expensive than acrylic is because the manufacturing process and the curing process is longer 
and more care has to be taken because, again, celluloid is super flammable and it also creates a level of toxicity in the environment that the person is making it if they fuck up. So there's less margin for error. So there's more risk. So that's why celluloid is more important, right? Am I right, Tom, or am I missing anything there? Well, I mean, for uh, like from a user's point of view, I think I think I just want to kind of appreciate, uh, you know, approach it from that angle too. Uh, is that is that you were? I think you were more focused on like manufacturing wise and like why there would be some benefit between all the various types of materials. But when it comes to actually writing with the pen and appreciating how to use it, um, there's also what what's also noted as, as what's missing on that list too. I would say would be ebonite. Uh, because ebonite's also one of those materials that a lot of pens are made out of, especially the older vintage pens that would kind of say, like, be like almost like in the same category as celluloid, in that it was a it was a material that was made prior to the wide use of injection mold plastics, um, along with acrylic too. But it, it but they kind of have their own sort of feel and features that are different when you actually hold it. And I I could say that. Totally, you know, at, let's let's put aside any marketing shtick, any, you know, let's say feelings I might have towards one material or another being that one is more precious, quote unquote, than the other. And just say that there is a noticeable difference when you hold a celluloid pen versus an ebonite pen versus an acrylic pen versus an injection mold pen. Like, so if you have, and I even notice this with my, Sailor Professional Gear or my Sailor 1911 Rialo, which is an injection mold PMMA resin, and picking up a Montblanc Meisterstuck 146 for the first time. And that was that day that we were on the podcast and you were like, you have to look at it through the light and see the red, you know, through the cap to make sure that it's authentic and everything. And I'm like, you know, I pick up this pen and I just feel, I just feel the material is like more like solid, like the pen was more solid than the resin that's used for so even there's even differences between that too i feel is that you have certain injection mold plastics like a a caveco sport like classic sport or a skyline sport it's going to feel a lot different than if you pick up a sailor 1911 even though they're both injection mold resins but like one of them just has a lighter weight feel plasticky feel like the sport does versus a 1911 so there's even gradations i feel between your injection mold type resin pens and then you have your acrylic which i feel is like more more solid especially like a kielk uh a pen or an, a leonardo pen the way that they use acrylics with that they're just they're just dense they have a lot of luster and they really utilize the uniqueness of acrylics where they have chatoyant acrylics swirly colors and things like that so there's really that that use there uh for it that like it just a uh, more opulent looking and then as I have my my Leonardo today, I have my celluloid Leonardo, which is like my most dear and precious, my top 10 number one pen that I would list on on my list. Uh, and and that's because of its, it, it just has an off the charts chatoyance about it. And, and I also feel that too, that this pen just feels different because it's celluloid than my other acrylic pens. Even the primary manipulation Momento Zero Grande that I have, feels different than this pen does because mm. that's made out of the Brooks primary manipulation, which was one of his questions on here is that primary manipulation is an acrylic that Jonathan Brooks of the Carolina pen company 
makes it's kind of i know it's not trademarked but i guess you could say it's copyrighted that he makes that particular type of resin which is a cast acrylic that incorporates like six different colors that swirl together almost as look as though you're dropped milk into coffee and you've got so many different colors that are going on there you got swirls and for days and there's layers of translucency and everything so it's pretty unique to him uh, although there's other manufacturers that make something that looks similar there's only one that's called primary primary manipulation hmm. so that's my that's my two cents on it i i know i probably just talked for like five minutes straight or something like that no so hey I apologize. listen that was that was a very very good explanation i i definitely i definitely like it very nice appreciate that you know what so the next part of his question was sorry i got distracted by something that really pissed me off i'm gonna i'm gonna unload on this after i answer his question he says oh no <laughs> yeah nothing to do with his email i just something really pissed me off and i just anyway uh -oh. I find that when people okay. say that the smell, feel, temperature of certain materials are remarkably different, I just roll my eyes at their pretentiousness. Is that unfair? I don't know. I, I think it's unfair that you're just calling them pretentious, right? Because you can't really say that they're – I mean, I don't know. They're having an experience with something, and they're telling you and sharing it about it. Like, I just, just to ball up everything that they're experiencing – with the nuance of the hobby and just to call them pretentious just because they're experiencing something. I don't think that that's, that's, you know what I mean? Well, I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say like, Oh, it's so remarkably different that like, Oh, it's like, how could you not see the, like, I think it's more subtle. Like, this I is, think this you is, need to, this is the example of what is pretentious. It's like, when I talk about ballpoint pens, I am clearly pretentious and I'm doing it deliberately. <laughs> right. Like, so it's like, I'll, let me give you an example of what I think is pretentiousness. If I see you writing with a ballpoint pen, I'd be like, oh, you're one of those losers who writes with a ballpoint pen. Uh, you haven't yeah, that's, graduated. Yeah, that's really to, pretentious. Yeah, you haven't graduated to my level, obviously, because you're still <laughs> lowly using a ballpoint pen. Yeah, that's pretentious. So if your definition of pretentious is the same of what I'm describing and, and all they're saying is like, hey, this smells, feels, and is different, it's remarkably different in my opinion, and then – you're kind of rolling rolling your eyes at them and calling them pretentious, I think that might be a little bit unfair. But mm. if they're being like me in the ballpoint pen, not only should you call them pretentious, you should tell them they're an asshole. Because if someone turned to me <laughs> and was like, dude, you're such an asshole, I'd be like, you're right. I am. Yeah, you are probably right. <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing about what I'm saying that is un like you're 100% right. I am 100% totally an asshole. Like – so, you know, I don't know. I, don't I think it's, it's, a, it's like I said, it's a subtlety thing. I, I wouldn't say remarkably. I wouldn't use that adverb in saying that they're remarkably different because it, it's something that is appreciated when you have experience with the whole range of different materials. And mm. you pick ones that, for example, like the Mont Blanc, I was just, I always, you know, I, I was probably, I probably had a certain level of pretentiousness about my exclusion of not wanting to write with a Mont Blanc because I thought they were pretentious to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I was being, I was being rather basic in that regard. And when I, when I, I, I saw what the fuss was about, I was like, Ooh, this is nice. This mm -hmm. is real nice. Yeah. I mean, granted mine's made, mine was made probably sometime in the nineties that I bought used, but you know, I don't know how they are today. So I don't really have that much hands-on experience with them, you know, first person. But, uh, you know, 
seeing what people say about them nowadays, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's the same thing with anything else. I think these days is that they, you know, the, the brands have been around for decades. They, they don't make them quite like they used to, you know, they used to back in the day. So that's why sometimes you like, let's say Parker, for example, it's like, Mm -hmm. I would pick up a vintage Parker 51 any time of the week over one of the newer 51s that are out there for sure. 100%, 100%. Yeah, totally. So, So, Listen, was there anything else in that question? My friend writes completely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. was, uh, he was this saying is... about the, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. His friend writes with the pen per- perpendicular, completely perpendicular, like 100% so, straight So as I'm imagining it, it's like, it's like papers like this, pens exactly like this. Right. It's like, it's like meeting at the paper surface at a 90 degree angle. Right. So, so like, I, I just don't know if that's the correct way to, way to write with any pen. Right, like with so a fountain pen, probably definitely not. not. No. But like, like I don't know anybody that writes perfectly perpendicular. I don't think. I mean, even if you look up the history and books on handwriting, no one ever says to write completely perpendicular, unless you're, of course, from like Asian descent where they use brushes. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, that's what I was going to mention is that the one nib that I know actually works in that regard is the sailor specialty, the the Naginata Togi nibs work in that regard where they're actually built the nib is shaped to be written with at multiple angles including a 90 degree angle Mm -hmm. well i mean the naginata i can't even say that fucking name say it again naginata togi the naginata togi I, I don't know if our friend anshul is willing to hook this guy up with a naginata what is it called again naginata togi naginata togi just so that he can use a fountain pen. Nah. Nah. Gi. Gi. <laughs> nah. Nah. Ta. Ta. Nagi na ta togi. Togi. Okay. Hadouken. Uh, I don't think he's going to really go that far out of his way just so that this guy can use a fountain pen. Right? I just don't think that it's practical because the Nagi na ta togi is not a cheap pen, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a specialty no, it's... nib. It's going to be on yeah, it's. A, it's going to be expensive, so it's going to be a little pricey, yeah. Right, so I uh, but the, but the thing is, like the normal nibs are not really. I mean, like there are some that may be a little bit more forgiving in their sweet spot than others, but they're usually not built for that extreme ninety degree right angle type writing. Right. So ah, uh, you know, hmm, not sure if. I'm not sure if it's probably the best idea to let him use your fountain pens. One, I, f- I feel like this guy is going to fuck it up accidentally, not dissing your friend. I'm just saying there's a chance he might fuck it up, so maybe don't let him use your shit because he's mm-hmm. writing with that shit straight up and down. You know what I mean? So, but if you And do, if it doesn't... See, see, the thing is that the, the thing that I would imagine is going to be an issue is that if it doesn't work when they're trying to write with the nib is that oh i need to put in more pressure yeah that's that's where that's where that scares me is that that's usually what people's first inclination is when they don't know how fountain pens work or they don't know how delicate a nib is they're like oh this doesn't work let me apply more pressure just (laughs) like with like let's say a ballpoint pen because that's if a ballpoint pen's not writing providing more pressure usually will start to get it to go again or just scribbling with it but like pressing harder may get it going again not so with the fountain pen. You press harder, it's probably going to splay the tines, and then you're going to be in a world of hurt. Right, so, so don't let him use your it. pens. It's not going to work out. He writes too straight up and down. 
I, I mean, yeah, the Nagi Natatogi. Or you know what? I think, I think if if you do want to get him some, like I feel like pilots work straight up and down, but it's probably not pleasant, right? Well, pilots would probably be the smoothest out of the bunch. Yeah. Like if we're talking Japanese nibs. Because I think that your best bet would probably be looking at a Japanese brand being that they, I think they have a bit more of a sensitivity to that sort of writing posture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, but I haven't tested it myself because I don't write like that. So, yeah. I mean, I, I write like when I do writing samples, I write like how I'd imagine. And I've seen many, many other people write, which is at an angle. I don't usually I don't really see people writing so much at that perpendicular type angle. Yeah, but. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I actually, I actually was going to ask you something completely and totally forgot. Great. I'm just fucking stupid. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I hope he has a uh, number three. Would love to hear a top ten. That's going to take time because compiling top tens. It's not like I can just yattle them off at the top of my brain right now. No. It's, it's a, well, I could just tell you the ten pens I have in my case. That's about it. Right, like, but they're not your my... top ten. Well, I mean, are we opening it up to just pens that we like feel have are like the greatest of all time sort of things? Or no, are we just going with the top it, 10 pens that we own? It clearly says top 10 pens in your collections from both of you. So, right. Okay. So, oh, so if you only have 10 pens, then those are your top 10 pens. I, guess. I have my top. Yeah, that's I have my in my case. I have I don't even know if I have 10 at this moment. I think I might actually have one spot open for whatever may strike my fancy in the future. Okay. I might have all 10. I'm not 100% sure. So I have so many, I, I, I'd i have to do some research on it. But I think I have like, me. what? I have like four of them here. Let's hear so, your top four. What do you got? I have, well, like I mentioned, Leonardo Momento Zero in the Mediterranean celluloid. It was my first purchase, Leonardo. And it was what made me fall in love with, you know, wanting to get that brand in. Okay. Uh, at gold spot and and everything so not only is there a history but just this this is what attracted me to it and i just love it i just it's my favorite so that's my number one um i have the i recently acquired the mont blanc 146 in the stub nib i really like that so that's also part of my uh my top list right now and i have also my sailor 1911 riallo which mm-hmm. has a music nib which i like in its own regard it looks very similar to the 146 as you see here it almost looks like it, if you looked really quickly you'd be like oh it's two of the same pen yeah no, they're not yes you know very very similar um but that they they both have piston film mechanisms and both write fantastically I, I i enjoy both of them but like i said like i just feel the 146 has got more of a solid weight than the 1911 Riallo. It just it just feels more dense and solid, mm. uh, and that's not my pretentiousness coming out. It's just that's just my <laughs> honest reaction yeah. to look to feeling the material. Then I have the Narwhal Nautilus in the Primary Macchiato, which is made out of Jonathan Brooks uh, resin, which is like a ter- it's a take on Primary Manipulation in that it's just basically like Primary Manipulation, but just all brown tones, mm-hmm. as if you dropped creamer into uh, coffee. And then I do have, like I mentioned before, I have a Sailor Professional Gear in the Cure Azure with a medium point. I also have I'm blanking, uh, the Momento Zero Grande in the Primary Manipulation Stromboli, which has a whole wild array of colors and that has an elastic fine nib on it. And... Alami 2000 in the Bauhaus Blue, which we've talked about 
number of times on the podcast I spent way too much money on, but I still enjoy it very much so. Yeah. And and I also have a Parker Vacuumatic, which is an older pen, mm. which I wish there was some sort of modern version of it today, but there's nothing like it. And that's why I enjoy it so much is that I bought it old. It's, it's an old pre, you know, pre-worn or whatever. It's vintage. It writes awesome. It's it has got the vacuum filling system, which is neat, but it's a pain in the ass to clean. But I still enjoy it. So what would you do if like next week, Lamy had a sale on the Lamy 2000 Bauhaus Blue and it was like <laughs> 200 bucks? what would you do <laughs> they wouldn't do me dirty like that no, i know for you... sure they would not do me dirty like i know that. they i know lami wouldn't do that but there are brands out there that will sell a pen and then a year later it'll be on sale for like 30 bucks you know what i mean like right but like i mean 100. not see the thing is it's not a limited edition that like basically sold out before it hit the shelf sort of thing like mm. before bef- i mean the, the like retailers had such limited quantities available that Basically, if you were in the know and you had a favorite retailer, you could just reach out and be like, hey, you know, could you put on on like one of your best customers? Could you put this one on the side for me? He's like, yeah, sure. Why not? And then by the time that they actually arrived, it was like they were already gone. They were already spoken for. That's Mm. it. Like there was no there was no like these pens laying around for a while. However, there was one, the Black Amber limited edition. I remember that one years ago. That one is still lingering around because they made a lot of pieces out of it and basically it looks almost exactly the same as the stainless steel uh lami 2000 uh-huh. but it just has like more of like a pearlized or like a smoother sort of like palladium ish right. looking finish mm-hmm. and they called it black amber even though it doesn't look amber nor does it look black so i think it just was like confusing as to what they wanted to do with it mm-hmm. and it also didn't differentiate itself more than the stainless steel did because it still kind of looked like a metal Lamy 2000. So, right. um, but that one's still around and actually that one might be popping up some places on sale because I think Lamy's trying to get rid of inventory on it. So, yeah. Hey, I want to ask you something. What do you think is the worst named pen in the history of shitty named pens? <laughs> Right, like, uh, like, for, pretty just, sure we probably talked about this before. <laughs> no, no, because it triggered, it totally, totally triggered my brain when you said the amber, black amber, was like poor mm-hmm. named. But like, what do you think is like the? And I don't mean like, like kumpu or some weird shit like that. I'm talking about like something that will be like, oh, this is forest green. Meanwhile, it's a red pen. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think is like mm. the worst thing you've ever, you've ever seen? Like I don't know. I have, I have most... to think about that because it's not coming to me right away. Like nothing's popping in my head right away. Mm. Okay. I can't think of anything either. Yeah. I was hoping you would. I wanted to make fun of somebody today. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, I can't really think of anything because, I mean, I've seen stuff before and I'm just kind of like, huh. But I, I, I just can't think of anything right now for some reason. Mm. Nothing, so. huh? Nada? No, nothing's coming to mind. Oh. Hmm. Boo. All right. Well, move on. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, thank you for the email. That was a fantastic email. I definitely, definitely like it. I love it when people send in questions. I think it's fantastic. I have so much fun answering them. 
and whatnot. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes too, is that somebody because he's because uh, Anshul said it's like, oh, you know, I could have just looked it up myself, and you know, I don't think you actually could find this information very easily either. You might have to go digging through and trying to find out about like, oh, well, you know, and then you could probably find information about the differences between materials, but you may not, you know, like our top lists could change sporadically i know mine changes a lot so i'm i might like us you know i might have a different set of 10 pens than i did like six months ago because i might have you know gotten rid of one and bought another in its place so you know and and you know and and it's just it just pays to like have it be put in context of especially things change you know, it might be uh, it might be that, uh, you know, a new material comes out that people start using. Like, for example, like the, all the small makers of materials like Mackenzie and uh, and Jonathan Brooks were not necessarily around, you know, five, ten years ago. So, like, you, you know, you might not have found that information very easily, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it always pays to ask. If you sure. have a question, just ask it. Yeah. And if we and if we feel it's worth it, we'll send we'll do something like this. If not, we'll just send you a link on how to Google it. So <laughs> see that was a pretentious way of responding. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So it is fair to call Tom pretentious at this moment in time. But <laughs> but yeah. We're okay. We're self depreciating. We yeah. can say that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But Anshul, it is not fair to call your buddies pretentious. Unless of course they were being like me. Then call them pretentious and call them an asshole. I'm just kidding. Don't call your friends an <laughs> asshole. Call me an asshole. I'm the asshole. Uh that was it, right? Oh, so the person who won the narwhal, I just want you to know I apologize for not sending it out so fucking bad with shipping things but anyway yeah so are you holding it hostage no just holding that narwhal hostage no, no i just i just have it i just have to go to the post office right uh and, yeah so make sure that it gets into the hands of somebody who is going to send it to the intended destination yeah instead of jacket before it gets there gosh yeah. Oh, Make sure to not put any gift cards in there, not whatsoever. Dude, you know how many you know what it's it's I like it though. People how many people reached out to me in regard to all of the lost mail that they've experienced and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's messed up. Very messed up. It happens a lot. But I mean, if you take into if you take the long view on it and just say like, Oh, my whole entire life, how many times have I lost, you know, whatever gift cards or things in the mail? And it really, it, I mean, they, like, they do a great job. It's yeah, just that it's sometimes like, it's just, like one out of every 50 trillion. But, you know, people. There's so much mail that goes through the system. Yeah, considering how much mail actually goes through the system versus how many times something bad happens. Like, they're doing a fan-fucking-tastic job. So I don't want people to get yeah. twisted and think, oh, he's shitting on the USPS. I'm not. As a matter of fact, I was almost ready to pull the trigger on the USPS Retro 51 Rollerball. The stamps, yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, my friend Steve, he's retired now and he's out fishing all the time because he loves to fish. He was a USPS delivery guy for 25 plus years and he's a solid dude. And to him, that's what USPS is to me, right? So I was actually going to get that pen and then I'm looking at my Inktopus pen roll that I got Mm -hmm. from you. There's no more room in that. So, Uh-oh. so that's, and I'm not that committed to rollerballs that I'm going to be like, all right, I'll get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, that's uh Ryan, our buddy from, uh, Kenro. He's got quite a selection of retro rollerballs. He's got 
He's got a crazy collection. Yeah, I know. He I, he has them at his office. He lo- he loves it. Do you know yeah. Do you know what he texted me when I think it was the day that the the Amadeus pen came out? Okay. He's like, hey. Goldspot just released one of the ugliest retros ever made. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, yeah, I saw the, I saw the Amadeus, and you know, I'm not really into music, so I kind of passed on it. I was like, okay, <laughs> it's like, thanks, thanks, asshole. Yeah, no, I just, I was telling him, I was like, I was like, a couple years ago when retro was, uh, people thought retro was going under. I think it was an all or nothing sort of thing where every limited edition was just selling out like hotcakes because. People wanted a piece of it as as people thought it was going under. Yeah. And but now that, you know, the company's like future is fairly secure that they're going to keep going on and that they're going to keep manufacturing pens and all these additions that are being introduced. And, you know, the prices are kind of coming up on them. It's more about like being more selective about what kind of retros that you want to collect and what themes you like the most, whether you're a fan of the space theme, the science, the the warbirds, the like the you know the more fun and whimsical types, or like the USPS ones, the Smithsonian ones. There's just so many different like subsets of that brand that you could go and collect, and it's just it's just it's just such a fun fun brand, you know, sure. with all the themes involved. Sure, sure. Hey, so a little fish talk now because everybody knows I'm oh, a fish God. keeper. I I do want to talk about it and. Because I have spoken about it and social media and everybody knows about it. So I think it was July of last year that a colleague at work had a 16-ounce fish bowl on his windowsill in his office. And I saw it and I was like, yo, that fish don't look like it's doing too good. Let me take it off your hands. So, And then you know how I am. I get into something. Mm-hmm. I, I nosedive right into the rabbit hole. I thought I would have more time with Socrates because that's what I decided to name him. But he has been swimming at the bot, like just not moving at the bottom of the tank. He'll just shoot up for air, come back down. Mm-hmm. His color is otherwise good, and I feel like he's just now nearing end of life stages. No. So yeah, so what I did is I how long are betas supposed to live? So it depends. Like sometimes they live between one to two years when they're like bought at box stores because of. Okay. Poor, I guess, poor breeding of them or whatever. I'm not sure. Some of them who are bred by like breeders and they cost like 50, 60 bucks a fish, they can live up to three to five years, right? So anyway, he probably wasn't the most, I mean, listen, his daughter who's like six won it at a contest. So it probably Mm -hmm. was like a $4 cheaply bred fish, but I gave him the best possible life that I could. But mm-hmm. now that he is just barely moving, just shooting up for air, coming down, he doesn't have an appetite. His color is otherwise vivid. I've moved him to a hospice tank, a five-gallon okay. hospice tank with fully – Is this like a real thing? Is this on your YouTube that you watch for – or are you just kind of making this up? No, hospice I'm, tank. I'm making it up. So I just want oh, him okay. to – I just – and I put a little Higger sponge filter, a small sponge filter. It's a really small sponge filter in that five gallon tank with gravel, a lot of gravel from the 29 large tank that he came from and a bunch Mm -hmm. of the water wisteria plants. So that way the, the nitrogen cycle isn't interrupted. Mm -hmm. So I put him in there so that he can just be comfortable and let, you know, left alone and 
he, there's a heater and a filter and everything like that and everything like that. so anyway well he, why move him out of the original tank though because i don't want him to be annoyed by all the other fish swimming around i want him to do you you could take an accurate gauge of the level of annoyance that the fish has not just that but in a five gallon tank he has less distance to swim up to dr- take a gulp of air and come back down see these fish have what's called a labyrinth uh, organ sometimes they need air to breathe they'll breathe okay. air into the labyrinth organ and when the oxygen runs out they go back up so this is how they breathe it's different from like other so fish. you're so you're making it easier for him to kind of come up to the surface yeah. and, and also in, yeah. in the 29 gallon tank because it's such a large tank it requires more filtration which if you put him in a five gallon with a small sponge filter there's less water disruption so he's more comfortable and I could stuff more plants for him to use as like a sleeping hammock and stuff like that. So did I, you research like end of life palliative care for fish? Is was that part of your research? No, but no. I feel like you're just kind of coming up with this on your own. Yeah, you know, I'm just. I feel like I did hear, I've done, I did see some accounts of this one girl who put her fish ta- fish in like a bigger tank, and then he just got stressed out, so she put him back in a three gallon, and he was more active. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Usually for fish, it's like the bigger the better, but I'm coming to a dilemma. Like I mentioned this before, what do I do when he dies? I don't want to just, first of all, you're not supposed to flush him in the toilet because if the toilet doesn't run off into like a septic tank and it goes into like the real water, other fish Uh might be exposed in the ecosystem to diseases or something that they're not exposed to and it could kill off a lot of fish. So I'm not going to flush him. I'm not going to just throw him in the trash because he was like the OG of fish for me. He's what started me into the fish, you know, keeping. Well, what did what did Socrates put in Socrates' will? I have to speak to the executor of that. I don't know. And also he's a fish, so there's no will. But anyway, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. So what I thought was I read online somewhere that maybe I can bury him in a plant. So I, I bought a plant. I've never – here, look, let me show you this. No one else can see it. I know we did We did talk about this. What was this? A couple weeks ago about yeah. burying fish in plants. Yeah. So okay. I, I bought this plant here. So it's ba- it's called a baby rubber plant. I, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but I went to a nursery. First of all, I didn't fucking know that where you buy plants and shit like that is called a nursery. I thought a nursery is a place where people put a lot of babies, Okay. No, it's like if you've gone to Home Depot, like they have a nursery attached to it, and that's where all the plants are. Oh, I listen. To me, a nursery is just a place where babies go. I didn't know nurseries were attached to plants and stuff like that. I didn't know it had anything to do with it. So anyway. Oh, God, you're going to become a, not, not like a giant plant nerd. <laughs> I could, I foresee this in the future. Yeah, right. Can you imagine? But so anyway, I got it. But then I'm, I'm hearing from people. It's like, listen, dude, if you do that, if you – and this plant vase – is just so everybody listening, they can get an idea. It's about seven inches tall and it has a diameter of six inches. So it's not really that deep. I got it from my no. desk. And my plan was when Socrates dies, I'm going to bury him in the soil of the plant. But people are like, dude, the the breakdown in the, what's what do you call it? The decomposition is, it's, it's a fish. Right. And it's, probably going to smell right but i was thinking to myself how much can a two inch fish smell also also let's give credit to your other animals living in the house your felines have a certain predisposition to liking 
fish and may be attracted to the plant because of the fishy smell. And then I could foresee that that plant will end up getting dug out and right. tore apart. Right. And so that there'll be. Yeah. That's not an issue because this would be taken to work because so okay. is in my be office. Far away from work. their claws. Yeah. So okay. they're not going to be able to reach it unless they can take mass transit and figure out how to get there. For with an I don't know. Hour. Cats are crafty, dude. Right. Cats are crafty. So I don't know if I'm going to go through with it because, like, if the plant was in a pot that was like a foot deep, then we're talking a different story. But I can't mm-hmm. have it smelling like death in my Dead office. Fish. Yeah, yes. it's just I don't know. I if anybody out there knows what options there are to dispose of a fish that doesn't involve trash or flushing let me know how about a viking funeral yeah that was the very next that's thing where you, you put you put you put so crates on a little tiny raft made of like little wooden beams like or popsicle sticks and then you could put a sail on it and then you know put some like tinder or whatever and then light it on a fire and then just send it into like the water where like, am just i send gonna it do that sure my bathtub like i don't know hudson river i guess or hudson you know river? yeah i'm not getting near the hudson river if i accidentally fall or you in, could go I'm off dead. of like you could go off of like uh what's it long island sound or something like that you could go over there but then i have so. to have a bow and arrow with a fiery tip and then when it's like 100 yards away aim the yes. arrow aim the arrow yes in, into the sky and yes you got it you got it now you, you got 100 percent. realistically in movies they nail it on the first shot do you know realistically if i tried that i could have a thousand arrows like with butane at the tip and i'll never hit the little raft it would be oh impossible. god the wind is taking the raft yeah the fish is getting away <laughs> but listen anyway i do want to just a quick shout out to plastic daffodils so plastic daffodils she is that yeah daffodils on instagram it's plastic and then d-a-f-f-o-f-i-l-s daffodils i don't know Mm-hmm. But she is big into fountain pens and plants. As a matter of fact, she also has one of the Penboy Roy Fountain Pen Review Channel t-shirts, remember? Ooh. Yeah. One of the few satisfied customers. Right. So you, you know who she is, though. She tagged us in a story one time wearing the Penboy Roy Fountain Pen Review Channel t-shirt. She's into plants. Her hair is like red, red, like poison ivy red. And I'm I'm assuming. I don't know. I didn't ask her about it. I think she's like inspired by that. Oh, that maybe that's her natural hair color. How fucking sick would that be if that's her natural hair color? Anyway, being that she's so into plants, I messaged her and she tried to help me out as much as possible. She came up with an idea that mm-hmm. one of her fish keeping scientisty friends said, "This one is actually probably the most practical idea I have so far." They said, okay. "Stuff us, stuff a Ziploc bag with mm-hmm. soil." And then pack okay. the deceased fish into the soil and let it decompose for like several months and then put it into the planter to avoid the smell and stuff like that. But I'm afraid to do that too. That seems a little morbid. You know? Mm. I mean, I wanna okay. know I don't I wanna know what options I have outside of flushing my fish or dropping them into a toilet I mean, dropping them in the trash. I just I don't wanna do that. Maybe I don't know. As as you folks are sending in your questions to the pentertainmentpodcast.gmail.com email address, drop in a suggestion. It could be helpful. Like maybe label it. 
maybe say this is like an actual real legit suggestion and then like if it's not if it's like we need to do this as like crazy as possible then you know label it differently and just say this is like a more creative solution that is not really that serious yes but this is a serious topic for me because you know how much i invest into my my fish keeping and stuff like that and yeah but like it has to be like it could be an epic honorary sort of thing just as long as you gotta you gotta be respectful you know gotta it's just a fish you could you could make jokes but you know (laughs) it's you know just know that he hasn't left yet but you know i don't know at some point i'm gonna be at a point where i'm gonna be like oh you know he he passed away and then i'm gonna get an email it's gonna be like make him into a filet fish sandwich at mcdonald's and i'll be like no (laughs) or you could do that you know that like little that singing bass thing you know that turns and like starts singing uh remember uh give me that filet fish give me that fish like the you could make them into like the like a little animatronic thing that just turns and like starts singing a song and like moving the fish mouth and everything yeah yeah i i definitely yeah so anyway i would definitely like you can't taxidermy fish right can't do that doesn't really work out i think so, like, suggestions like that. Hold those suggestions, anybody <laughs> writing in, right? So, anything Tom suggested, like, that's not re- – I don't know if you can taxidermy a fish. Can you taxidermy a fish? You what? get taxi- – so, so this is how you get started. So, you could you could start your collection of taxidermied fish that you've previously owned that have gone to the other side and then hang them from the ceiling using, like, fishing wire and, you know, kind of have them as decoration over the – the tank of current fish is almost as if they kind of elevated themselves to the next level, you know, rising above the the needs of the mortal fish. Hmm. Thanks, I Tom. am not the type of person that's going to be there to handle your grief in this situation. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Alrighty. So anyway, listen, we gotta we gotta close this episode out because it's getting that time and I got studying to do. But if you guys have any fantastic ideas on how it is I can ceremoniously dispose of Socrates when he passes that doesn't involve flushing him down a toilet or tr- dropping him in the trash, please reach out or to taxidermy. us. Or taxidermy. Or taxidermy <laughs> or anything Tom suggested in this episode. Please reach out to us at pentertainmentpodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any questions regarding the fountain pen industry, fountain pen usage, troubleshooting, anything fountain pen related, or even fish keeping related, I'd love to discuss that with you. Mm-hmm. Are you a fish keeper out there? Let me know. In any event, please reach out to us at pentertainmentpodcast@gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And once again, thanks for listening. Love you guys. Be well. Be safe. Stay. And fishy.